Hello, everybody, and welcome to Family Matters Parent Training and Information Center's very first podcast. Um, Family Matters is one of the two parent training and information centers that serves the state of Illinois, and we serve everybody outside of the Chicagoland area. Um, please remember that Family Matters is not a legal service, and we cannot provide legal representation, and nothing we share with you during this podcast should be taken as legal advice. Today, we're very excited to have our former executive director, Debbie Einhorn, as our very first guest on our podcast, and we're so excited to hear all about um, Family Matters and kind of give a little history and overview of our program. So welcome, Deb. Thanks, Abby. I'm happy to be here. So, um, you know, we're definitely taking a turn in technology for sure. Everybody's really into the podcast thing right now. So we're excited that you're here for our very first one. It, it seems very fitting that it would be Deb that, that got to join us. So. Okay, Deb. So could you give us like a very short backstory about yourself? Sure. Okay. Well, I, I started my career as a special education teacher in the 70s. And back then, um, special education was very segregated, especially for students with intellectual disabilities. And uh, I taught students that had intellectual disabilities. And in a self-contained classroom, I spent six years teaching at the grade school level, and I loved my students. I loved teaching. But with after six years of having the same students for all six years, I felt more like a parent than a teacher by that time. And I felt like it was really a disservice to my students that they didn't get to experience the creativity and the innovation of other teachers. And, you know, just having me the whole six years, I felt like I was getting kind of stale and, and that I wasn't um, offering the new things that a new person could teach them. So after those six years, I decided to take a break and I started a private uh, preschool for two, three, and four-year-olds. And I welcomed students with disabilities in my preschool classes. So I did that for about three years, and then our building was going to be for sale, and I didn't want to leave parents in the lurch in the middle of a, of a, of a year with um, no opportunities for their children. If the, if the building sold. So I went back to teaching and I taught special education at the high school level. Okay. And what I quickly, what I quickly found with those students at the high school level is that they had not been challenged in their elementary and junior high school years. And so they had the expectation that I was going to do their schoolwork for them instead of you know helping them to learn and to um, make accommodations and modifications to their regular schoolwork. They, that had never been done for them before. So that made me realize that there are a lot of people that have low expectations for students with disabilities. So I taught at the high school level for three years. And then there was some um, 
an opportunity to community support systems had gotten a grant to uh, develop a family support program. Community support services systems is a, a community agency that serves individuals with disabilities mm -hmm. through the lifespan. And they have the early intervention program. They Then they have a residential program and they have vocational services for adults with disabilities. So they got a family support grant from the Illinois Department of Human Services. Okay. And that, that program was just a year old when their director was moving to moving out of state. And so I, I took that, that position and I felt like it was really a culmination of everything I had done because I had worked with students and now I had the opportunity to work with their families. So Family Matters was started as a family support program that was a state grant that worked with families that had children with developmental disabilities. And our purpose was to prevent children from becoming institutionalized. So we worked with families in their homes and the expectation was that we would be helping parents who had children who had behavioral issues that made it difficult for families to stay together. Okay. Well, what, what happened when we started working with families and, and that program covered a 26 county catchment area. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing a lot of, of traveling and there were only three of us that worked in this program. And we were doing a lot of driving, a lot of home visits. And what quickly became apparent to us was families didn't have behavioral issues with their children with disabilities. They had issues with schools. And there were um, a lot of a lot of problems with children being bused long distances out of districts to go to segregated programs that were, you know, maybe an hour or so away from their home. So at that time, the Chicago Parent Center, which was called Family Resource Center on Disabilities, was doing, uh, would do they covered mainly the Chicago area, but they would go other areas of the state if they had a group of people who wanted a training. So we started sponsoring and hosting some trainings where the staff from the Chicago Parent Center would come and, and hold a training in a community. And so we hosted a lot of those and then became able to conduct the trainings ourselves. So we were doing workshops for parents on special education rights and responsibilities. Well, then the federal government decided that Chicago or that Illinois was big enough to have two parent centers, one to serve the Chicago region and then another one to serve the rest of the state. So we applied for that federal grant and then became the Parent Training and Information Center. And about the time that we got the federal grant, our state first entered their um, period of, of fiscal problems, and they uh, discontinued all the discretionary grants. And so we lost that family support program grant. So that sort of subsumed into the um, Parent Training Information Center. 
Okay. So that was how Family Matters got started. Well, Deb, so you've been involved with special education since the 70s. What makes you think, what, what do you think you developed that passion? What was the reason for it? Well, I, when I was in college, I had done um, an internship or a, a I'm not sure what it was called, but I did some observation and, and some volunteer work at uh, a program for children with disabilities. Okay. And I loved it. And so that really made me want to uh, become a special education teacher. And I really have a, a passion for promoting the gifts and strengths and talents of, of of people with disabilities. So it was just a natural progression. Okay, I, I can definitely, definitely see that. And you kind of gave us a brief history of Family Matters, but um, so we've, we've held the grant since 2002, correct? Yes. Yes, okay. So how do you feel that the program has changed over the 20 years, 21, 20, almost 22 years <laughs> that it's been around? Well, it's it's been an interesting evolution okay. because, as I said, you know the 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 norm for special education when I started teaching in the '70s was segregation and self-contained classes, especially for students with intellectual disabilities. And so, when we started as a parent center, and well, especially when we started as that family support program. Um, and we started actually doing advocacy for students with disabilities and going to their I when we were the family support program and we had a, a more limited area than we have as the uh, federally funded parent center. We actually went to IEP meetings with families and school districts had never been challenged before. So it was very difficult doing advocacy in those days because we were viewed as the enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, we were um, considered to be zealots. And um, that was actually um, a word used to describe us by one of the school superintendents at one of the districts where we were advocating. And in fact, we had a superintendent who even contacted his state legislator legislator to see if there was anything that could be done to get our program shut down. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so it was very divisive because we were, there were a lot of uh, special education rules and regulations that were being violated for mm -hmm. students with disabilities. And so as advocates, we were asking for those things to change and this had never happened to school districts before. They hadn't been challenged. And so there was a lot of acrimony during those days. So over the years, and you know, we we had we helped a lot of parents go to due process hearings to challenge those those rights. And over the years, things gradually started to change. Um, you know, there were enough due process hearings that parents prevailed at to make changes in districts and then other districts would hear about what happened and and they would would change some of their policies and procedures as well. So over the years things sort of evolved and there were a lot of districts who became willing to work with us and to sponsor 
workshops for parents of kids with disabilities in their districts and uh, saw us as a more positive influence. You know, we helped parents to be more involved and to participate more in developing the educational plans for their children. And so many districts viewed that as a positive attribute. So over the years, we changed from being so-called zealots to being support people. And I know that people in your position, Abby, Mm -hmm. we used to call your position an information specialist. And now I think your title is IEP support coach. An educational support coach. Yeah. So that's just really changed. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that really was our purpose all along was to be a support coach for parents. We wanted them to understand their, their rights and their responsibilities Mm -hmm. and to be more active in um, creating educational supports for their children. And so that's um, really, I think, what Family Matters is known for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've mentioned a couple times the path to inclusion within um, IDEA or within our state. And um, I, th- so that just leads to the question. I know you've seen special education laws and regulations change a lot over the years. What do you think, um, which one of those changes do you think has had the most impact on students and families? Well, I think the the rules and regulations around um, behavior supports Mm -hmm. has become more clear and more well-defined. The least restrictive environment provision of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act has always been there since the very beginning. But there is a lot more emphasis on it now. And each time the federal law is reauthorized, that is given a lot of emphasis. And so it hasn't really changed, but it has become more predominant and more um, emphasized in the law. And I think that's really important. So when we think about past segregation, but, you know, my, my, um, special education teaching career is a good example of that because when I started teaching in the 70s, all students with intellectual disabilities were in self-contained classrooms. And that's something that has really changed. A lot more students with intellectual disabilities are participating in general education classrooms. Mm -hmm. So to give you an example, when I started teaching, my first class was on uh, a stage the it was instead of having a classroom like all the other teachers had in our elementary school i was my classroom was on a stage i had children in wheelchairs and the stage there were like four steps up to the stage so we had to carry wheelchairs up the steps to get onto the stage we didn't have a real classroom we had a stage Uh, When I taught at the high school, my classroom was in the band closet. So those are just examples of how special education was kind of an afterthought or kind of, you know, it wasn't considered um, a genuine class. Mm -hmm. So those are, and, and then I had an experience 
uh, early in my years at Family Matters, I was a volunteer mentor for our local Effingham School District. They have a mentoring program whereby volunteers come in and they're assigned a student who um, is maybe struggling in school and would benefit from having a mentor. And so we meet with our students once a week at um, during their lunch period at school and just uh, get to know the student, um, uh, try to be encouraging and develop a friendship. And I had a, a student uh, in my early years. In fact, it was my first um, year as a mentor. I had a a girl who was in third grade, and she was uh, in a special education classroom, self-contained. She was very bright. She had she loved to read. She uh, uh, really enjoyed learning, and I was in the what they called the ambassador lounge, is where we met with our students. So I was waiting for her to come uh, down for her lunch period. And there was a school newspaper on the table. And I was just reading it while I was waiting for her. And it, there was an article in the little school newspaper about how the third graders were, were learning about the Alaskan Iditarod, the Alaskan sled dog races. So when she came into the room, and we went and got our lunches and we came back to the table and we we're sitting down and we're talking. And I said, well, tell me about, tell me what you've learned about the Iditarod. And she said to me, what's that? I don't know what that is. And I said, oh, well, I was looking at the, the little school newspaper here and it said that all the third graders are studying about the Iditarod, the Alaskan sled dog races. And she said, oh, that's for the that's for the ordinary kids. And, oh, it just hit me so hard. And it made me want to cry because I thought she thinks she's a self-contained special education student. And she thinks there's something wrong with her. Yes. She thinks that the other kids are ordinary kids and she's something else. And she was very capable of learning and understanding the Alaskan sled dog races. In fact, that would be something she'd love to learn about. And it just struck me how unjust it was that she wasn't getting exposed to things that other kids her age were learning about mm -hmm. when she was per perfectly capable of understanding them. So that really ignited my passion for inclusion. That's a perfect example right there. You know, just something, it, it's always very hard for me to understand, um, you know, just, just things like that, you know, a school-wide assignment or school-wide topic and, and how children can, you know, not be involved in learning about that. It's really hard for me to understand that as well. So, which leads Yes, to, and so easy, so easy to so make. So easy to do. That's so, so easy to Modifications do. and yeah. accommodations for yeah. something like that. And, and I'm not a teacher. I, I have taught before. I'm a substitute teacher, and, and you know, I, I do hold a, a bachelor's degree, but I, I'm not a teacher, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know the first thing about making a lesson plan or anything like that, but it seems to me like that would be pretty pretty easy, you know, to theme the month over what the rest of the school is learning and, and talk about sled dogs, and like you said, the student would probably enjoy that very much, so yeah. 
So um, what do you think is your favorite support that Family Matters offers or has offered over the years? Well, definitely, I would say that it's the individual assistance because that is um, it, that's something that families can't get anywhere else. And uh, it's it's really an opportunity. And, you know, when Family Matters covers 94 counties and has very few staff and it's not possible to go to IEP meetings with uh, families throughout 94 counties and it's not not possible to to do home visits and to really, um, you know, get to know them. But we can spend you can spend a lot of time on the phone with them mm -hmm. and you can be that sounding board. You can be that listening ear and you can be that affirmation to that that parents so often are seeking that here's what I'm thinking. And, you know, just having another person who can affirm that what they're thinking is is reasonable and is right and is, um, you know, is is what, you know, affirming that what they want that when they want what's best for their child, that they're within their right to want that. Yeah, and you know, being a parent of a student um, that has a disability, a profound disability, it's a very isolated world in that form of parenting. You, you know, you're not allowed, you're not invited to a lot of parent groups or birthday parties, and, and you kind of feel alone. So when you do reach out for support for the person on the other end of the line to at least understand what direction you're coming from, and I think that's, I'm, I've always been the proudest of that in, in my role here is that, you know, Carrie and I, it, it was a requirement when we started to, to have a child that had received special education so that we could kind of, in a sense, put ourselves in the, in the parent's shoes for sure. Exactly. So what do you think your number one hope for Family Matters was, Deb, and do you feel like you achieved it in your time here? Well, my number one hope for Family Matters was always that we would become the go-to resource for parents of parents of children with disabilities in Illinois, in, Illinois, in our region. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think to some extent, we have achieved that with at least with the parents that know about family matters. I do think there's many, many parents in the state that are unaware of this great resource. Mm -hmm. And we've never been able to do the kind of uh, promotion and advertisement that would make us more visible in the state because we've never had enough funding and enough staff to be able to handle that volume of, of calls that would come in. So I, I do think we've achieved it with, with the people who know about us, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, there with additional funding and resources, it could be a lot more visible in the state. And I think, Deb, you, you, I mean, I've just been with Family Matters for four years now, and um, I think you've taken great steps just in the four years I've been there to push us towards, you know, a different age post-COVID and with more technology. One of your last projects was, you know, starting the new website that has been phenomenal and very well received. 
Um, you know, we, we've had so many clicks on it and so many, so much interaction. So I definitely think we're, we're taking steps in that direction. Uh, we usually go through what we call a slower time during the winter nut, winter months, and we definitely did not have that this year. <laughs> so, you know, things like that has um, really, I think, pushed in that right direction for sure. Yes, that's, yeah, I think technology has been a real uh, asset for organizations like Family Matters. Mm -hmm. So, Deb, I'm going to come to my last question, and I'm hoping to use this last question in about every podcast that we have for Family Matters, but if a parent is new to the special education process, maybe they're um, thinking their child may need support, maybe they have support, just got an IEP, um, what is one piece of advice that you would give them, like the first step they should do? Uh, first of all, have high expectations for their children um, and connect with other parents. I think it is so important for uh, parents of children with disabilities to band together with other parents of children with disabilities to share their experiences, to support each other. And I know that, um, you know, I, I am not a parent of a child with a disability. And so I have learned so much from parents, the parents that I've worked with and the parents that I've connected with just through uh, my work as, you know, a pretty much statewide organization, I've had the, it, as I said, we don't really get to, you know, as working at Family Matters, most of the parents that we work with, we don't ever get to meet in person. But in my work as a statewide organization, you know, I connected with a lot of other state resources, and I have been fortunate enough to meet many other parents of children with disabilities who are working as professionals in the field. And we connected and 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 started things like the Family Leaders Collaboration. Yes, which and is coming so those, April, by the way, people. Yes, coming up. Yeah. So those those parents that I got to know and meet with and connect with taught me so much and I had so much respect for all of them. And so one of the one of the valuable resources that new parents have is we have a statewide organization in Illinois called StarNet, which is funded by the Illinois State Board of Education. And they are the early childhood resource for um, teachers and parents who um, are teaching or have children with early childhood age children with disabilities. And they hold um, the StarNet regions offer uh, retreats for families and that I have seen what a valuable opportunity that is for parents of children with disabilities. So parents of young children can get involved with StarNet and attend their retreats where they can meet other families who are raising children with disabilities and make connections and develop supports. And those kinds of things are just invaluable. I agree. I agree completely. Well, Deb, I can't tell you how much of a joy it's been for you to be on our very first podcast. Um, we, of course, have been seeing you a lot since you left, but um, we always love, love, love to see you. And you know, your legacy definitely lives on. Your your presence is missed for sure here in the office. And 
and we still have people call, you know, all the time. Is Deb there? <laughs> so you're definitely missed by a lot of people, but we thank you so much for joining us today in our podcast. And uh, well, remember- I yeah. thank you for inviting me and um, family matters will always be in my heart. And the, the parents and, and the parents who I've met over the years um, are just have just influenced me beyond beyond belief. Yes. Well, please remember that Family Matters hopes to put out a podcast at least weekly, if not more, and uh, we're going to cover a wide range of topics. And again, I thought nothing more fitting when I when we spoke about this at a staff meeting recently, and I brought this idea to the table. I said, Deb has to be our first one for sure. So we're so thankful that you joined us today, Deb. Thank you so much. All right. 